Welcome to Break It Down, a ScanSource podcast brought to you by Cisco. On this podcast, we take complex tech topics and break them down for the non-tech listener with your host, Ian, Kyle, and Philip. It is another edition of Break It Down, a ScanSource podcast. We are joined once again by our smartest co-host, Kyle DeWitt. How are we doing today, Kyle? We're doing smart, uh, super fantastic. Thanks for having me on again. That's great. And as always, we are joined by our co-host, Phil. Phil, how are you? I'm feeling good. I'm, I feel like I'm about to be smart. So like Kyle's going to, he's going to download that wisdom. Oh yeah. I like that. So today we are talking the internet of things, IOT. So Kyle, I don't know where you want us to start. I feel like this has been one of, if not the buzzword of the last five years in technology, particularly in the channel. I feel like people have not been able to solutionize this or make it a, you know, skew it up for lack of a better way of putting that. And that's been an ongoing challenge. But why don't we start where we always start? Yeah. You telling us what this is as if we were eight-year-olds. Yeah, yeah. So uh, IoT, Internet of Things, as you said, is a fairly generic term. It's been around since the late 90s. And as in other topics we've discussed in this series, it's probably more misused than it is properly used these days. But IoT really describes, you know, if you look at Wikipedia's definition, they've got a good definition that includes some things like, you know, it's a system of interrelated computing devices. But the key is, in the true sense of IoT, what we're all looking at, it's a collection of devices that have the ability to transfer data over a network without requiring human intervention. So the common examples these days are things like beacon and sensors. Any device that's just sitting there collecting data and transmitting the data. It's not event-driven the sensors and the things that are collecting the data are sending the data somewhere else to be acted upon, to be analyzed. But what you find is that anybody that connects anything to the internet these days calls that IoT. That, that's where we start to get this, this misusage or misnomer of the term, which contributes directly to what you're describing, Ian, which is, well, how do you wrap your arms around it? How do you sell IoT if it's not really a thing? It is kind of a highbrow concept, it's a broad technology band. I'd like to start drawing the line between what I call internet-connected things and internet-enabled things. Like those two different; those are two different differentiations to me of of IoT. With the, with the differentiation being, you know, an internet-connected thing is that's your home printer. It's connected to the internet, but it's not doing anything until a human interacts with it. Whereas an internet-enabled thing would be a sensor that's sitting there collecting data, transmitting across the internet. It doesn't need any human intervention to operate. So anyway, big broad strokes. We don't want to talk about it as if it's every single device connected to the internet. But if you start reading some of Gartner's data in any of the, the trade pub data, They'll tell you that this is a massive market and billions upon billions of devices out there and hundreds of billion dollars worth of business. And really, the money is in analyzing the data, not necessarily in selling the things, if you ask me. So internet-enabled devices is more of our true 
the true IoT, the pure Internet of Things, if you will. Yeah, if we could start removing things that just connect to the Internet in order to be able to function out of this IoT data, you'd start to get a clearer picture of where there's opportunity. I definitely want to geek out with you guys here in a bit on what you have running in your house that uh, would be considered IoT. But as you guys usually do in prep for this, if you do some research on where IoT came from, you'll, you'll see quoted that the first IoT device was a toaster in 1990 that a software engineer developed a way to turn his toaster on by sending it a command over the internet. Well, that's not the current definition of IoT. That's just an internet-connected device that it was sitting there doing nothing until a human told it to do something. A true IoT device would be something nowadays like a gas meter on the side of your house that's collecting data and transmitting it to the utility company. So we can get into examples later for sure, but that's where the market is going, is into those true data collection devices, what I was calling internet-enabled things. I feel like that is not revisionist history is not the right term, but saying the IoT started 30 years ago. I read the other day the GIFs or GIFs or however you say it, those are 30 years ago. The internet, I feel like the internet was barely around 30 years ago and somehow we had GIFs 30 years ago. So I feel like this concept of IoT being 30 years old is us kind of going back and looking at like, okay, this probably began here. Yeah. That is interesting because I do think, and I am in the process of moving right now, the connected home is something that that is kind of, the, I would say, the real world and probably simplest application of IoT today for many people. Yeah, that's right. And you're spot on and into your revision of uh, history comment, that quoted toaster from 1990 being the first IoT device. The term IoT wasn't even coined until 1999. So who knows what we were calling that toaster for nine years, but I promise you it wasn't IoT. So <laughs> it is a little bit of uh, we're falling into the recency effect here by going back and looking for previous examples for sure. But yeah, connected home, like in, you know, in other areas of our technology, consumers are bringing expectations of how they interact with technology at home into the marketplace or into their workplace, sorry. The connected home devices, the proper noun devices that in our in our rooms that listen to us all day long waiting for commands that we can't say on a podcast because it's going to trigger something but those are true iot devices they're sitting there collecting data and, and analyzing data or sending data off to be analyzed there's the a one bunch I, of, oh, I was say the one i'm most excited about that i just bought that i i'm like anxious to move and install is the Nest thermostat. So we are, I've, we've talked many a time in this podcast, I am very brand loyal to Nest. Uh, and we just bought the thermostat and it comes with a sensor to put in your house and it like essentially operates autonomously. And you just kind of tell it, you know, this is kind of where we want it and it will uh, ensure that it delivers. Yep, that's right. That's So that's a perfect example of a 2020 IoT device. So it's a internet enabled device that you connect to your Wi-Fi and it constantly collects data from your house on when you're physically occupying your house, you know, how often you change the temperature, what the, uh, the ambient temperature is due to outdoor effects, sunlight coming through windows, time of year, all that thing. And it makes intelligent decisions on 
what to set your your temperatures for. This is our callback to last week, right? So devices, yeah, those devices are collecting all this data. The IoT device itself is not making any of the decisions. That's the AI, right? So whether or not the AI exists on the device or off somewhere in a central, you know, cloud compute location is fairly immaterial, but your Nest thermostat is a perfect example. There's other uh, other common ones in, in smart homes or connected homes like light bulbs that you can control. Now, the first iteration of them were just cool light bulbs that I would classify as internet connected things that you could just control with an app on your phone. They weren't really doing anything intelligent. They were just responding to commands, but now you can have light bulbs that change colors automatically based off the time of day. You can have them, you know, visually indicate inbound phone calls, all kinds of fun stuff, triggers from social media. So those are true IoT devices. And that's been, you know, the first internet controlled light bulb was 47 seconds ago. I mean, it was like two years ago or something. It's nothing (laughs) in the evolution of technology. So is that a good, I mean, so let's just take the light bulb. So I'm just trying to decipher as the first, the start of this conversation is working through the, the enabled versus just the connected. Yep. The ability where it is making, not necessarily making a, a choice or, but if it's, if you're pushing a button on your phone and the light bulb, the only thing that can make that light bulb turn on and off is me pushing a button versus it changing depending on the time of day. Is that the kind of discrepancy. Yep. Okay. Yeah, that's exactly, that's where I draw the line in differentiating between the two. So, you know, I try to put it into, you guys tell me to treat you like eight year olds. You're not eight year olds, but I try to, to break this one down to, did the human being request that that device do something or did the device decide it needed to let the human being know something? That's the difference, right? So if the human's controlling the action of the device, that's not really what we're talking about in the current form of IoT. These things need to be acting autonomously. You know, again, we go back to sensors because that's the easiest example. But sensors aren't told to do anything. They're just collecting data. And then the data that they collect trigger events that we or whatever, AI, robots, et cetera, would then act upon. So this has been around forever. So what is the, you know, at least as far as I consider forever, because as long as I've been in the channel, I keep hearing that IOT is next quarter's to do thing. Yep. Why, why does there seem to be such a hurdle? Because what I tend to see a lot of is like, oh yeah, I love the idea. The idea is great. And then when it comes to hitting the market with things, there's the consumer model that's out there where people are just adopting it themselves. But then there's not like a, there just seems to be sometimes a, a people like Ian said, they struggle to solutionize it. Yeah, I think, honestly, this is in our world. This is the difference between a VAR and an MSP. That, that answers your question in a very weird way. But I referenced this Gardner study, which is uh, very recent on my mind because of some initiatives we've got going on inside the walls. But they're predicting something just south of 6 billion enterprise IoT endpoints will be sold this year in 2020. That's just a physical number of endpoints, not the dollar amount. It's hundreds of billions of dollars of endpoints being sold. But that's not where the money is. The money's not in selling sensors and selling meters and enabling fleets. It's things like it's the data analytics. Is where, where do those sensors send the data? And then what happens to it when it gets there? You know, physical security is near and dear to our hearts at ScanSource. And 
you know, a camera collecting data, sitting there collecting data and uploading it somewhere on its own is not valuable. It's the software or the humans in a knock somewhere that are receiving that data that act upon it that's truly valuable. So I think the answer to the question, why, why is it so hard for people to get our arms around is because this isn't a, this isn't an individual cell. This isn't a sell a widget market. This is sell the widgets to enable a services engagement between you as a company and the customer that's purchased these products. It's not in the wheelhouse of our of, of a, a traditional customer, right? Especially one that's looking at selling endpoints. That's why I think, so Bill, going back, that's why I feel like so many of the examples or case studies that you see in the space right now are the city of Dubai connected yeah. their Lamborghini fleet and it's a connected fleet solution. And it's like, well, we're talking to a transportation company in Idaho. So the Lamborghini fleet in Dubai isn't really an apples to apples example here from like a budgetary standpoint. Yeah. It's really interesting that we, I don't know, I'll shout out to Gabby if she did this on purpose. It's really interesting that these were back to back to me, that AI and IoT, because to me, it's like, we're talking shades of gray. Like, it's like, how does one exist without the other, without building off of, I mean, it's not necessarily making, I guess the AI is not making a decision, but the IoT is collecting the data. And it's just really interesting how much of this is, we're calling these two things very similar things, but they have to operate together. Yeah. I mean, you guys are both in marketing. How good is your message if there's no one there to hear it? Right. That's it's the exact same thing here with with the IoT world is you've got all these devices out there creating a tremendous amount of data. But if there's no one there to consume it and, and it doesn't have to be a human, it can be data collecting software that triggers events. I mean, there's all kinds of really cool examples that we can we can geek out on. But the point is the IoT device that collects this data is only a small part of what the solution needs to be in if it's a true IoT solution. Okay. I'm looking around my house, trying to figure out what's listening to me. Everything. You've probably got a lot more things there than you know of. <laughs> I was to say the same thing. Because I also, we talked last time about the 100 movies bucket list. I watched her this week. Yeah, That's a very artificial intelligent. And I, yep. that, that was bizarre to watch. It, yeah, it really is. Yeah, I think uh, you might not even realize, I don't know when your homes were built, but I would be willing to bet, since you're in the same geographic area as I am, that your utility meters are IoT devices. And if uh, you catch them on the right day, you can actually see the utility company just drive down your street and all they're doing is collecting data off your meters. They don't walk up and actually look at the dials anymore. Yep. There's a real world application of it outside your walls you got plenty of them inside i promise you you know speaking of like you know because you talk about the ian as you use the like the lamborghini in dubai scenario in general is this truly is this future tech that we're talking about way off in the future are we or, or is this just a financially and is it really financially available to everyone because you know you talk about the someone driving down the road is that Something everyone, every, can my local garbage company start doing that? Yep. Is it like how TVs went from like buying a flat screen 20 inch TV was like 2000 bucks and now I can walk into Best Buy and buy like a 65 inch 
LCD. And it'll give for, you a three three. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, is that where IoT is going? Are things going to essentially become more commoditized? Yeah, for sure. I'll, I'll try to keep the uh, this answer short. When you buy consumer appliances or, or any consumer device that you're bringing into your house, you're not making that decision because you think it's an IoT device and it's going to be collecting data and, and changing your experience. Now, you might with certain things like the light bulb example or the Nest thermostat example we gave earlier. But if you're buying a, uh, a 2020 Keurig coffee maker, you're buying it for the bells and whistles like, hey, I can schedule it to make my coffee for me before I get out of bed. But ultimately, you just want a cup of coffee. That's where you're going to see that drive of uh, commoditization, the pricing dropping very rapidly. But it's not really the sell. As a consumer, you aren't going to buy an IoT device. Now, in other spaces, like you keep bringing up transportation is a great example. Utilities is a good example. Um, Oil and gas, like, you know, the actual rigs where... Oh, yeah. That there's a bunch of sensor IoT devices that are going into play in those arenas just for safety. You know, we, we, I've talked about it before in another forum that it's becoming prevalent now that workers on oil rigs have to wear a, a vest that has an IoT device in it. And that IoT device is constantly sending signals back to, you know, a safety platform that says where they are, where changes are happening, where pressure is building. It gets them out of areas that they're, you know, there's an opportunity to be hurt. So the point is, it's not just a consumer sale where prices are going to drive down as it becomes a commodity. It's a value add sale in very specific markets where, you know, our customers are going to need to make sure that they understand, you know, regulations and all all of the things that go into these vertical markets. But the more we can automate, and this goes across the board for every topic we ever talk about, the more we can automate, the better. And this is, the IoT is at the center of driving automation uh, and driving cost out of some of these businesses. And, and in the oil, oil and gas example, it's increasing safety, not just decreasing cost. Yeah, and that's, to kind of cl- tie the loop on all of this, the thing that excites me most about the Internet of Things is that I think it's kind of it's one of those things that I think can truly impact like the betterment of the world. And I know that's like a big cliche and everything we've talked about obviously kind of fits that with, I mean, the prevalence of security and artificial intelligence, but like the internet of things like literally you're right, Kyle, we do a little bit of research before. So we don't sound like total idiots in my reading was an article that was written yesterday. And it talks about how the internet of things is actually being used to help fight climate change. And essentially they are connecting sensors to trees and essentially taking into effect the carbon dioxide and the carbon scoring and the soil and all of these different factors and tracking that and kind of applying some of the temperature and all of that to it, which is so, so, so interesting. And I think obviously that's a very niche example, but there's such a possibility and potential for this to just drastically impact the way that we live. I liken it to the decision-making process. Without good data, it's very difficult to make good decisions. At least it's very difficult to make good informed decisions. That's where I see this is, you know, IoT devices are going to become prevalent is, you know, that's a great example. There's a million of those, right? Well, where do, where do we do this activity? Where do we lay pipe? Where do we build a new road? Where do we need to replant? You know, all that stuff. There are sciences all around that. My brother went to school for natural sciences. That's what he does for a living. But, 
you can start to see devices being deployed, even if they're not stationary, you know, deployed in things like drones being used to collect data to help us make better decisions on what we do in every facet of our life, personal and professional. So to really connect episodes here, then the data that internet enabled devices, so the IoT concept collects impacts our artificial intelligence's decision-making. That's right. That's it. Powers it. That's right. Phil, I don't know about you. I'm feeling smarter, pal. Excellent callback, Ian. I'm feeling smarter, but I'm telling you, I know we got to wrap up and we're getting close, but like every single one of these episodes, I get to the end and I like, I need part two because I need to talk, I need to talk healthcare and top golf here to figure out <laughs> everything to wrap it all together. So again, we're going to tease part two IOT coming down the road. That's right. I wouldn't be an effective entertainer if I didn't leave you wanting to come back for more. Oh, you keep leaving me back for more. I keep, really, I keep realizing not, I, I keep transitioning from an eight-year-old to um, like a ten, like a ten-year-old. So, you know, I keep wanting to grow it here. Kyle's got kids around that age. He doesn't want us to keep growing up. I'll have my people call your people, Phil. <laughs> yeah, have them call us. We're uh, don't worry. We have a, we, you know, we're like what are we we're like eight-year-olds. So we have a little plastic phone in the corner, and we've got a little. <laughs> we uh, we don't have cell phones yet, so you know, speed dial us on the little twirly phone thing. All right. Well, that does it for IoT. Uh, we have a couple more coming up in this series. All, again, way above my pay grade, but that's why we got Kyle. So until next time, boys, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Today's episode is sponsored by Cisco Marketing Velocity. Marketing Velocity helps partners grow their revenue and engage customers through innovative marketing strategies. With campaign planning, educational learning, and more, Cisco helps you reach new customers, increase profitability, and bring value to your business.